0: Thank you, Trina. Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you here in this room. If you're watching online, great to have you with us this morning. And uh, I've got to say, if you're here in Bendigo, we really look forward to uh, when you're going to come and join and be a part of uh, uh, this room with us as well too. Hey, can I just take a little moment here this morning and uh, just kind of just share, have a little bit of a heart-to-heart with, uh, with all of us and those that are watching online together as well. You know, I, you know there are moments in life where you feel uh, or you have a sense that as a ministry you are kind of poised and God's about to do something uh, in our midst. And I really do have that sense in and through for the life of the Bendigo Baptist Church as as we kind of return in person and our rooms are full, our services are full, and as we kind of begin to talk about the future and where we sense God moving us as well too, you know, I'm a firm believer, of, and I often come back to this, as a prayer that I often pray regularly, uh, particularly on a Sunday morning as well too, where as I gather with people. God, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by your spirit, says the Lord. And it is obvious that God's doing something in and through the life of the Bendigo Baptist Church and what kind of makes us up. You know, uh, if you're kind of new to us, you may not even know that right in the heart of Bendigo is our community care hub, and there's an amazing ministry that's coming out of that, and we are making a difference. God is using us to make a difference in the lives of people right here in this city, which uh, we are so, so grateful for. You know, uh, we're we're talking about uh, uh, the possibility of purchasing a building. Uh, Just coming from our Eagle Hawk campus this morning, and uh, it was an opportunity there as We were talking about the establishment of a second morning service over there that will be launching on Sunday, June the 6th. Uh, We're also, uh, we have uh, the building, the concept building plans that we're going to unveil and talk about a little next week uh, at our members meeting. Uh, But then we also have the Bendigo Christian College that sits in the midst of all of that. And you think, my goodness, there is a lot of different things going on in the life of the church. And I've got to say, in my, in my moments of weakness, and there's plenty of those, uh, where I, you know, it is easy for me to suddenly feel overwhelmed as the leader and think, oh my gosh, God, uh, and, and fear has a way of creeping into all of that as well too. What I want to do is, what I want to ask of us this morning is that we would continue to be a church that is on our knees and we are praying, because uh, that is the place in which we start from uh it's not because we don't do things out of our great skill and expertise you know uh, we really kind of come out of that place humbly before god god so would you move in their midst but knowing that god is moving here uh, i have this sense that you know it is not going to surprise me that in the coming weeks and months that we're going to come under some kind of attack whether we're going to experience that personally in our lives whether it's something we'll experience as a church i don't know what that is but i know that when we endeavor to uh put God and make Him front and make Him our absolute priority in all that we do and say that there are the moments when uh, the enemy wants to, our adversary wants to kind of come against us. And that'll come in all kinds of different ways. Uh, And so I'm asking us to be praying in this particular season because we really do want to be led by God in all things. We want to be led by Him around the school. We want to be led by Him around a, a second service. We want to be led by Him in relation to future building developments. We know that it's not about buildings, it's about people. But in all those things, we're just trusting God and saying, God, would you lead us by your Spirit? You know, one of the things that uh, I've been tracking with or our leaders have is over the last few weeks, uh, our giving, we've noticed year to date, we're about $21,000 behind budget. You know, uh, I'm not worried about that in the sense that God's got that. But you know, all these little things on their own accord, you know, uh, are enough sometimes where the enemy loves to plant some seeds of doubt and say, are you sure you should be doing this? Maybe you need to wait until things were a bit more, you know, safe and secure. And it's in those moments I have to remind myself that the journey we walk is a journey of faith. And we keep taking steps and steps of faith. And that's what I want to encourage us as a church to keep looking to Him. Let's keep taking that journey of faith, trusting Him that in all things, in whatever initiatives and things that He has us do, He's going to provide for all of us in all of that. And so, uh, can I encourage you to be leaning in and praying about our finances? Would you be praying for our ministry team in this uh, in this next few weeks and months as we uh, 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 push into some different things as well too? And then collectively together, you know what? This is the church, isn't it? It's not about one or two people. It's about what and how God is using us together. So I hope you're excited. I'm excited about what the future lies ahead for this church. You know, uh, we know the days are drawing near. Jesus is coming back shortly. uh, And uh, we not only want to be ready for that, but we want to be about playing our part, the part that He wants us to play to see His kingdom grow. Uh, You know what? People are going to a Christless eternity without Jesus. May that continue to just keep unsettling us uh, as the people of God, knowing that uh, He wants to keep using us to make a difference. Last but not least, can I just say this? If you're a regular attender of our Sunday morning gathering right here, can I encourage you to maybe think about our PM1 as well too? Uh, We have a great group of people, there's around probably 80 to 100 that kind of gather on a Sunday night. Many of them are young adults and many of these young adults would love to have older adults inputting into their lives as well too. So we could do one of a number of things. We, we could talk about doing different services here as well too. But you know what we could do? Is we'd encourage some of us to say, you know what, maybe I'll step into the PM service. And that becomes a service that I'm going to own for myself as well too. And that's where I'm going to worship and celebrate God. Just a thought for you to consider as well too. You know, uh, in this country, well, maybe just backing that back a little bit. You know, have you ever noticed that people can make some silly rules and laws from time to time? Yeah, I have. You know, uh, this past week I thought, you know what? I'm just going to see if there's any weird, wacky, or crazy rules in Australia that we're not aware of. Well, I noticed that there were some. You know, uh, uh, do you know that it's actually illegal to walk on the right side of a footpath in a busy street in Australia? It's actually illegal. And uh, the police have every right to stop and pull you up, and to even fine you. And it doesn't matter, even if you're a foreigner. There's no excuse in any of that. They actually can fine you. Uh, or uh, in South Australia, anybody from South Australia here? Probably no one wants to admit this right now, do they? Do you know what? <laughs> in South Australia, it is a legal to gate crash a wedding or a funeral. Now, I was at a couple of funerals this past week and I wasn't gate-crashing them, but you know I did notice the nice buffet or the nice afternoon tea as well too. Do you know in South Australia, you can be fined up to $10,000 or imprisoned for a period of two years if you gate-crash a wedding or a party or, or a funeral? At that point in time, I thought, well, there you go. I'm not going to South Australia for any weddings or funerals, am I, for a feed? In Victoria, it is... Illegal. Now, hear me on this. This is true. It is illegal for you to tie your goat to a car. <laughs> right? It is. And if you were to then drive your car in and through public settings, you could be fined. You could be fined $777.30 for doing that. So just keep that in mind as you go from here today around what you might do with your goat. Now, I wish Pastor AJ was here this morning because I think I have really saved the best of the last one. You know, in Western Australia... <laughs> any Western Australians here in the room you know if uh if uh oh I see that hand that's great hey you the police in Western Australia can actually pull you up under the suspicion and they can search you and your car if they suspect that you are carrying more than 50 kilograms of potatoes in your car (laughs) very true oh AJ I can't wait for you to get back in fact you know what if you happen to be talking to him at some point, you can just say, I hear that uh, you Western Australians are a little bit wacky. (laughs) You know, we laugh at these things, but you know what? In every generation, I would say right back to the beginning of time, people have been making weird, silly rules and laws. And you know, it was no different in the day of Jesus. In fact, uh, we know that there was a group of people often known as the Pharisees who uh, had this way of wanting to legislate and to make rules about different things that uh, ended up bringing Jesus and the Pharisees into this full-on debate. You know what? We've been following the story of uh, Jesus, King Jesus, particularly as he began to move through Galilee with his ragged bunch of disciples and, and following some of that unfolding story in the book of Mark, wrestling with, well, what does it mean for us to know him as King Jesus? You know, our popularity about Jesus was kind of growing exponentially. Uh, you read through Mark 1 and 2 and it was obvious that uh, people were flocking to him in their droves. They were fascinated by him. They were being drawn to him because he was healing people. Lives were being changed. Can you Imagine if people were kind of turning up here on a regular basis, lives just being so transformed that we weren't just thinking about this service, but you know we've got to add another one because people want to be together. The Spirit of God is at work. Well, it was profoundly happening in their midst. But just as people were excited about Jesus, what was also happening is that the religious leaders were becoming increasingly cynical, uh, suspicious, and they were monitoring every step that he would take. And at the end of uh, Mark chapter 2, Jesus finds himself in a dispute. It is a full-on dispute, uh, head-to-head with uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, over what you might call two Sabbath controversies. If you've got your Bible, Mark chapter 2, towards the end of Mark chapter 2, we want to have a look at this dispute because I, I think in this dispute, as he talks about the Sabbath, there is something here that is profound for us today. When it comes to, well, what does this day mean for us? Because Jesus actually had some significant things to say to these men. In Mark chapter 2, we pick up the story uh, in this place. Verse 23. Jesus has come head to head with these Pharisees whom you might call, they're functioning as the religious police. And they're questioning him about the actions of Jesus and his disciples in a grain field. Here's what he says, what happens. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting the grain or harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Now, who were the Pharisees? They were this religious sect within Judaism who were known for their personal piety, but also for... uh, uh, their study of the Torah, the law, and the application of what that might mean for them. They were very passionate about making sure that they honored God in everything. And it's probably fair to say that there were some wise and holy individuals there. But in their passion to uh, make sure that they didn't defile the law and that they honored God, uh, they began to legislate. They began to make rules around what you could and what you couldn't do uh, And one of them was in regards to the Sabbath. Now, if it had been you and I wandering through the grain fields, maybe picking a few heads of grain, they probably wouldn't have worried. But because it was Jesus and they're watching his every move, that they are incensed as to what he is doing. Now, what was the big deal about the Sabbath? You know, for us, you know, we, we hear the word Sabbath. Uh, and we actually don't kind of practice it like the Jewish culture would. They, they would do it on a, on a Saturday. We, we might treat our Sunday as a Sabbath. You know, what was the big deal surrounding the Sabbath? Well, it was, obviously, it was one of the commandments uh, which got it enshrined for the Israelite community around keeping the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Uh, but what was the big deal? Well, that word Sabbath means uh, to, uh, to cease from your activity or to rest. And really, we're introduced to it in the book of Genesis. It doesn't talk about the Sabbath, but we are told that uh, six days God created the heavens and the earth and all the animals, and on the seventh day, He rested. Exodus 20, 20, uh, the Ten Commandments pick it up, where God says to Moses that uh, one day is meant to be set apart as being holy. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you can read this for yourself, or I'll throw it up on the screens as well too, uh, Moses then outlines God's purpose for the Sabbath, where he says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with His strong hand and powerful arm, That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Now, these men, these Pharisees, were so concerned about making sure they kept God's commandments that they began to make all these different rules and regulations around what you could and couldn't do, what was permissible and what was not permissible. In fact, uh, in early rabbinical writings, it looked like there was at least 39 different uh, things that were forbidden for somebody to do on the Sabbath. Let me give you an example of some of them. You couldn't sow, plow, reap, bind, sheaves, thrash, grain, grind, sift, knead, bake, shear, wool, wash, wool, beat, wool, dye, wool, spin. Weave, make two loops, weave two threads, separate two threads, tie, untie, sew two stitches, tear, trap, slaughter, flay, cut, hide, salt, meat, cure, hide, scrape, hide, write two letters, erase two letters, build, tear down, extinguish a fire, kindle a fire, or even use a hammer. I'm exhausted thinking about that. Well, this story now that we find ourselves in the Gospel of Mark is a perfect case in points jesus and his disciples they're wandering through the grain fields they're hungry they haven't got any foods so the disciples begin to kind of pick some of the grains of head and they begin to eat that and suddenly these religious leaders they see what is going on and they are incensed because according to them and their self-imposed rules and regulations is that the disciples of christ were breaking the sabbath how did jesus respond This is what's really important you know i i I wonder how i would have responded in that situation I, i look i don't know but the response of christ is just perfect you know first of all he kind of brings to mind if you're following along in this passage he brings up a scriptural precedent and he looks back he says these words he says haven't you ever read in the scriptures what david did when he and his companions were hungry He went into the house of God and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus goes, he he looks back to something that David, who was not king yet, but uh, who had been set aside as the successor of Saul, but he had not been enthroned or anointed as as a king. And he actually puts himself on par there with something that David had done. You see, by implication in this, what he is doing, he is saying to these uh, Pharisees that he was amongst them right there as their true king. He may not have been enthroned, uh, but he had certainly been marked out by God maybe at his baptism. And because of this, because of this, he had the right when he and his people were hungry to bypass any of the normal regulations. He then went on to uh, say this, kind of the second part of his response, but now he moves in a different direction. And he begins to remind the Pharisees around the, the intent of what the Sabbath was for. He says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. See, this was mind-blowing for these Pharisees because up until this point in time, they had been legislating all kinds of things as to what you could and you couldn't do. And Jesus suddenly bursts into their world and He says, you know what? The Sabbath has been made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath, in other words, was not to be viewed in a legalistic manner, but rather it ought to be applied with some loving compassion. So in this instance where the religious leaders, the Pharisees were wanting to argue with Jesus around what his disciples should and shouldn't be doing, Jesus basically saying, you know what? You guys are way out of line. You have so not got this right. Where you might want to scold them because they haven't prepared their food a day ahead of time for the Sabbath, I'm arguing saying that it does not transgress God's will one bit for hungry people to have something to eat on this day. And then he kind of wraps it up with this. He says, he makes this statement about his own authority. Jesus says, so the son of man, meaning himself, is Lord even over the Sabbath. Now, what's he saying to them? Well, in essence, he is saying it makes no difference what you might think about the Sabbath because I am the authority on this matter. I am the one who decrees what is lawful and not lawful, what is permissible and impermissible, and my word on these matters is always going to be final. You can imagine, he is stirring the pot, isn't he? Well, Mark says he transitions from that controversy, that particular dispute, uh, and we're not sure whether it was the very next week, whether it was two weeks, a month, but we know that it was probably shortly thereafter But Jesus suddenly finds himself in a synagogue. It's on the Sabbath. And all Mark says to us is that they're in the synagogue there and in their presence was a man with a withered or a deformed hand. And who was there? The Pharisees. Because they were wanting to see what Jesus was going to do on the Sabbath. In this synagogue, was he was he going to step outside of their self uh, imposed rules and regulations? Would he suddenly heal this man that was in their midst? They were looking to try and catch him. Well, unflinching in the face of adversity, uh, Jesus pokes the bear, and he actually asks this man who was in their midst to just to come forward. There was no secrets. Jesus wasn't, uh, you know. He, wasn't taking him out to the, the back room or to uh, you know he actually just calls him forward I mean, you know, just imagine in this room jesus here the religious leaders in the room as well too and, and jesus calling forward this man and what is and what christ does next is just wonderful he poses this question he says to his critics does the law permit good deeds on the sabbath or is it a day for doing evil is this a day to save life or is it a day to destroy it?" Now, the answer was incredibly obvious, and what Christ was saying was simply, doing good was not just limited to certain days of the week. It wasn't just something that you might do from Sunday through to Friday. Doing good was, you know, doing the right thing, it was always the right time to do the right thing, according to Jesus. And suffering and hardship could be alleviated, in other words, on any occasion, and to choose otherwise was to pick death over life. See, the answer was obvious, but it was silent. And Mark tells us that Jesus was so saddened by the stubbornness and the hardness of their own hearts that he simply says to this man, Hold out your hands. And so the man held out his hands, and Mark says that instantly it was restored. That's a miracle. You know, I often hear people say, You know what? Oh, a miracle happened here and a miracle happened over here. I want to say, prove it to me. Well, it's a miracle when you're in the midst of a a crowd of people, isn't it? And you've got a withered or a deformed hand and Jesus says, hold out your hands and instantly the hand is miraculously healed. Well, that's reason for celebration, isn't it? But not in this story. You see, we're told that at this moment... At once, the Pharisees, they went away and they met with the supporters of Herod to plot how they were going to kill Jesus. What a sad response. Men who should have known difference. I mean, Jesus had done nothing wrong. Healing by speaking was certainly not a breach of the Sabbath. But in their stubbornness, these men had missed the obvious fact that if Jesus' words had had not been in accordance with God's will, then this man would never have been healed. And if to make it even worse, they were so particular about the laws and what you could and couldn't do, and yet they were blinded to the fact that they walked out of that room with no misgivings at all about doing harm and plotting the death of Jesus, even on the Sabbath. You know, it's clear as we read this story that these men, they missed it. They missed the point of the Sabbath. And you know, the reality is, I think we can too. We may not be like the religious leaders, we may not be like the Pharisees. But you know, I think maybe down over the years and the generations, we've missed the intent and the heart of what that Sabbath day was meant to be. And so I want to wrap up this morning with maybe just by making a couple of applications for us to think about and and then landing it with a question that I think means we have to, you know, there's decisions that we have to make about that. But here's the first thing I want to share. You see, when I think about uh, this dispute, I am drawn to the statement that Jesus makes first and foremost, where he says, so the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. See, for us, we hear that and we think, okay, well, that's a statement that he makes, that you know he's God and he's Lord, but it was much more than that on that day. See, for that group of people that were listening to what Jesus was saying, they would have immediately linked that word, that phrase, son of man, to a statement that the prophet, their own prophet Daniel, had made some several hundred years prior to that, uh, when uh, the Israelites had been living in exile. In a vision that Daniel the prophet had received from God, uh, he said this. He said, when he saw uh, this vision from God, where he saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient one, this is the son of man, and he was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never end be destroyed. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. You see, in that moment, let's not miss that. See, in that exact moment in front of these religious leaders, Jesus was making the statement that he was divine and that he possessed all of God's authority in his life. It was a statement of his divinity. See, we can't let that just wash over us today. And maybe for some of us here in this room, you're hearing that for the very first time. And you may not put yourself into the camp of being a follower of Jesus. And a question that floats around that is, well, what are you going to do with this Jesus? Do you personally know the Son of Man who is the Lord of the Sabbath? Second application. See, this teaching of Christ, I think, ought to remind us today, though, that it's always... Uh, For those of us that follow Jesus, it's always the right time to do the right thing. And Jesus was making that point, whether it was in the grain field or whether it was suddenly then in the synagogue as he healed this man with a deformed hand, that uh, it is always the right time to do the right thing, no matter the situation. And so when we look at this Sabbath story for ourselves, I think one of us, we must ask the question, you know, what doesn't belong in this picture? And I think the answer to this is really obvious. You see, we're not being called to re-establish a, a rigorous observance of the Sabbath like maybe Nehemiah did when he stationed guards at the, the city gates to make sure that the Sabbath, to stop the Sabbath from being desecrated. We're not being called to do that. And nor should we be trying to impose Sabbath laws on a world that doesn't recognize or honor God. Even as good as it might be for our world and our culture to take one day and to slow down and to rest what i think we're being called to do today though is to capture a fresh uh, and and a liberated vision of what christ was talking about as he kind of reminded us of of the sabbath to to see it as god's gift for our lives it is a, a gift for rest and worship as well as always being a time for doing good let me bring it to a close, maybe with this question. You know, as we think about those two applications, see, I wonder for those of us in this room, maybe what decision that we need to make today, because we cannot hear the Word of God and not respond. Well, I suppose we can. We can walk, we can walk out of this room and, and not think twice about it. But the Word of God always demands a response in our life. And maybe for some of us here in this room, or maybe you're watching online today as well too, and you, for yourself, you have never embraced Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. You see, first and foremost, the best thing that you should be doing today is wrestling with the statements that Jesus made. He said, I haven't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, you know, the thief comes to steal, uh, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it even more abundantly. If you're here today and you've never embraced Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior, can I, can I just say that following Jesus is not about just being about rules and regulations. It is about a relationship with the Creator of this world and with His Son. It's about discovering that His Son, Jesus Christ, came and died for you and I and a cross to forgive us of our sins so that we might live in relationship with Him. And maybe there's just someone here today or maybe someone online And I want to invite you to give your heart to Christ, to embrace Him as your own Lord and Savior, this Son of Man, God Himself, God with flesh on, who came to earth to bring us back into relationship with Him. You know, that's maybe a decision you need to make, or maybe for others of us. It's the reminder that uh, you, for your own life, you need to embrace the Sabbath way of life as a rhythm that God intended for your life. You see, that might mean that some of us in this room, we actually have to stop and we have to take to heart the reality that God actually gave us a day to cease, to rest from our labors, from what we are doing. Some of us have got our engines going, uh, going full throttle and we never stop. And I am convinced that in this world, we've got so many people that are pursuing kind of their economic interests and gains and yet, you know what? There is a spiritual wasteland that is just wavering around people because they are just go, 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 go. You see, for us as followers of Jesus, God, God has given us a gift in this one day, uh, it doesn't matter what day that you kind of take this as a gift from God. It certainly isn't a Sabbath day for me today. What's important though is that we take it and we see it as a, as a day or a time which we're going to cease. We're going to pull away that we are going to rest and we're going to reconnect and re-engage with our creator God. In a rhythm that kind of makes life sustain. Or maybe for others of us, it's a decision that says, you know what, I actually, I kind of get that, I get that rhythm of life, but I've become so bound up in doing nothing on this particular day that I kind of even miss the opportunity to do the right thing at the right time. You see, uh, the Sabbath day was set aside as a day of rest for worship, but it's also an opportunity for doing good and not just for a time for refraining work can i say that choosing to visit someone care for someone serve on a day like today is a day in which we you know there's always a time to do the right thing and maybe for some of us that's the decision that we need to make god intended from the very beginning of time that there would be one day in our week where we just kind of pull aside from what we do. It was a gift from Him to us. What do you need to do with that gift from God? Can I add you, don't be like the religious leaders. Don't make it a rod in your life. Don't make it burdensome. Don't make it something that God never intended it to be. Embrace this gift from God and respond appropriately. Maybe you need to rest. Stop. Just stop. Maybe for others of us, we need to do something because God's calling us to respond in that way as well too. Can I pray for us? Hey, would you stand with me as I pray? That seems an appropriate thing to do right now. I'm going to give you a moment just quietly here for you to talk with God, around what is right and appropriate for you. Father, you know the hearts of men and women right across this room and maybe those that are watching online as well too. You know us so well and you know our deepest need. And for some people today, Their greatest needs is a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I think that your spirit's at work in that moment. Father, uh, I pray that uh, you would be moving people from a a place of just being eternally lost into a place of realizing that they need your son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. He is the King. He is King Jesus, and he needs to be honored, worshipped, and adored. Father, would you do that in lives today, I pray, right now. Father, for many others of us that are here right now, we are standing before you. and We're asking you to have your way by your spirit in our lives into areas that maybe we need to rethink. We need to respond to. Maybe we need to step into ministry or we need to get involved in something. Maybe it's just around slowing down. Father, would you give us the perspective, would you enable us to, to, to grow in our understanding as disciples of what it looks like to embrace the Sabbath rhythm of life, to rest, to worship around it's always the right time to do the right thing. God, give us wisdom, I pray. Continue to keep growing and maturing us so that we might be effective but humble servants of yourself, used right here in this city, and in the places that you push us, God for your glory and your honor. And we pray that today in Jesus name. Amen. You know, as we sing right now, you know it's one way in which we worship. The Spirit of God is at work in people's lives. Today. Yeah, we'll have a prayer team that's going to come forward and uh, you might want to pray with somebody. Can I encourage you, though, before you move into a conversation that might just be, uh, as we come out of our service, that maybe you share with someone and say, you know what, here's what I'm being challenged to do in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you ask me next week how I have gone at that? Because if we actually don't push it to that place, yeah, we can be hearers of the Word, but... We're not doers of the words. Let's be doers of the word as well. Let's worship together.